Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. We are in Deuteronomy 2, Psalm 83 and 84, Isaiah 30. All right, Deuteronomy 2. Let's see. Those The last few chapters, while most of this, I guess, is Moses, it's like his farewell speech, basically. Like recapping instructions. Right. Recapping mm-hmm. all. It's not, none of this is new information. Mm-hmm. Bible reading plan right now, this mm-hmm. Old Testament stuff is by far my favorite, which is so weird to me. Like I, mm-hmm. I just, it's just interesting. I've never been so, I've never enjoyed reading this section of scripture quite yeah. as much. I don't think, mm-hmm. um, but Deuteronomy four He's recapping all of this stuff, but he's giving them these instructions. I have Mark starting like in verse 23-ish. He's telling them to stay alert and to remember. And he's telling them, he's basically saying, talk about it. Tell your kids. And, mm, and that's at the end. That's later. Yeah, it, yeah. He talks about that later. But this whole section, it's almost like, okay, He knows that eventually as time goes on, the reality of what God did when he brought them out of Egypt and took them through the wilderness is it's going to fade a little bit, just like any kind of like crisis thing in our lives fades with time. Mm -hmm. And he's basically warning them and saying that this is going to happen, but don't forget the covenant you made with God. And when you have children and grandchildren and time goes on, this is what's going to happen if you forget But he also says, if you seek God, this is in 29, even there. So he's, he's saying, he's talking about like the, the discipline that's going to happen if slash when they forget, but then he says, but even there, if you seek God, your God, you'll be able to find him. If you're serious and you look for him with your whole heart and soul. And then the next paragraph after that, well, right after that, he says, God is above all a compassionate God, which reminds me. Was it last week you and I were talking about the heart of God is compassionate? You know, do you remember that? That's from the book, Gentle and Lowly. Yes, that's what it is. He doesn't discipline from his heart. That's right. Like it's an unfamiliar, that's what we're talking last week. I think it was like, it was an unfamiliar act that he was doing by disciplining them. Yeah. So that's what this made me think about above all, your God is a compassionate God. And in the end, he's not going to abandon you and he's not going to forget the covenant. I have several things I want to ask you about, about um, how the ESV translates it. Cause there were things that stuck out to me this time and I didn't look them up in another translation, but in verse 32, he says, ask questions, find out what has been going all these years before you going on all these years before you were born. Hmm. And I just, I just love how practical this whole section is from Mm. Moses. Like he's like, it's almost, it reminds me of that whole, like that Psalm where God remembers that we, that we're dust. Moses is the same way. Like, he's like, I've watched you guys go back and forth. I know you're, as soon as I'm gone, you're going to forget all of this. Mm -hmm. So here's what you have to do. Yeah. It's like a last plea. Yeah. 
kind of looking for some of the things that you're talking about in chapter eight, it's actually toward the end that I think he does it before this too, but in the verse 11, he says, be careful that you don't forget the Lord, your God by failing to keep his commands and ordinances and statutes. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in and mm-hmm. your herds, and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold multiply and everything else you have increases. I, hi- I have highlighted here this word, be careful. Mm-hmm. that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're going to find that that's exactly what they do. Yeah. I think that's convicting. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's pretty relevant in. Which I think, I mean, application wise, that's why we're supposed to say, that's why we say grace before each meal. Right. Maybe. Well, that whole section, the, the paragraph right before that, that's what he's talking mm-hmm. about. He's like, when I bring you into this land that has all of these good things and it's full of rivers and brooks and olives and all this delicious stuff, you're never going to go hungry. In verse 10, it says, after a meal satisfied, bless God, your God for the good land he has given you, which totally made me think of Ecclesiastes and go eat your bread with joy, like how God has given mm-hmm. them all these gifts and he wants them to enjoy them, but that has to be that enjoyment of those gifts has to be in recognition that they're coming from him. Mm. So this part, chapter six and chapter eight are the passages where Jesus gets his quotes from mm-hmm. for resisting Satan, which mm-hmm. to me, I remember when we were doing Matthew and I saw that in um, his temptation in the desert and thinking, I have like no doubt that Jesus knew, like, I mean, Jesus was the word. You know what I mean? But how much, whether, whether he had to study that as a kid, I'm sure he did have to study it as a kid. Do you know what I mean? Because that's right. what he did. But as I was reading a lot of these chapters, I was thinking, man, if he was fasting for 40 days, I have no doubt that he was reciting all of the verses in between. So those verses that he's using to like resist the enemy, like all of these other verses where it's talking about all of the hope, all of what's, what's going mm. to come from resisting the enemy and remembering these things mm-hmm. like this for the Lord, your God is bringing you into a good land. Like I can imagine Jesus going like I'm fasting right now and I'm suffering for the next few years, but the Lord, my God is going to bring me into a good land land with streams and springs and deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hill, the land of wheat and barley. I mean, I just imagine Jesus is like, right. He didn't just know those verses he quoted. He knew the whole thing. And he was the, he was like, yeah. he was literally feasting on them mm-hmm. to get him through. Well, hello there. We're so glad you're following along with us on the recap. We wanted to invite you to study Jacob with us this summer. We have been going through the book of Genesis this year and our next eight week study is on the life of Jacob. We'll be meeting all of June and July on Tuesdays live, or you can join the network and get all of our previous studies for free via podcast. No matter what, we're just glad that you're joining us in the word of God. Now let's get back to the recap. One of the other things I noticed, this was the other thing I was curious about how it translates in the ESV. The number of times, especially in the last, like probably three chapters that we read in Deuteronomy this week how many times he says, God, your God, Mm. that Moses is like, he's, I mean, we're talking over and over and over. I underlined him in a few chapters, but I didn't do all of it. Just that Moses, it's like the subliminal message almost that Moses is giving, he's giving them all of these like overt instructions, but then he's like, God, your God, like this is your God. Don't forget it. And I'll say it 75 times if I have to. Yeah. Because they probably, they knew it. 
but they also saw it as Moses's, like, because yes. Moses is, and Moses even shares that story in this passage. Yeah. He's like, I went up because you were afraid. I went into the darkness and I told you the things that he said, but he was going to tell all of you, mm-hmm. like, this was for all of us, but I went up and I got it, but this is your God. Like that, like you said, I love that. He's before I go, let me pass on that. Like this really strong message. This is the Lord, yeah. your God, the Lord, your, your God. God. Yeah. Chapter seven, toward the end, verse 21. Don't be terrified of them for the Lord, your God, a great and awesome God is among you. He's talking about destroying. They have, they have to destroy all of the people um, in the cities that they have to, that they go to and why they have to do it completely. And he's basically saying, you're going to be scared, but don't be terrified for the Lord, your God, a great and awesome God is among you. I feel like that's the message that I keep. I feel Mm. like to the people that I'm talking to, it's like, he's among you, like he's in you. It's not just that you're saved. It's that he lives in you. Like you have access to him. He's with you. Mm. Like that's the God that we're pursuing is the one who put his spirit inside of us so that we can live Mm. in his presence. Should we go to Isaiah? Yes. So Isaiah gets really good at the end. Yes. <laughs> okay. And do you know why it gets really good at the end? Because we go back to narrative. Narrative. <laughs> uh, because 30 through 35 or whatever is um, all that confusing stuff. And I, mm. I love my, some of the commentary at the bottom is fantastic. He's like, he could be talking about this or he could be talking about this. Right. He could be talking about this or he could be talking about this. Right. And I love that because the, I mean, what, what we see in Jesus too is, or the gospels, this should be encouraging to anybody who's listening and struggling with this whole, like, what is he talking about in Isaiah? When things happened, the that's when the disciples were putting together two and two together. They were like, mm. it's not like they even fully understood. Nobody fully understands what these prophets are talking about. These are literal words of God, which means that their meaning can have infinite meanings practically. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so yeah. there are things that like, even for me, like I said, like there are times where I read a passage and I'm like, that's for me right now for this circumstance that I'm right. going through. But it's also specifically about something that's going to happen in the future right. or something that's already happened in the past or both. Right. And so I think that as the disciple, you know, it's really fun to see as the disciples are putting these prophecies in the midst of their stories, they're going, okay, this thing that didn't make sense. Now it makes sense in Jesus. Mm-hmm. This thing that didn't make sense now makes sense in Jesus. And I think as the end times, you know, when the end of time comes, we're going to see these words of God and go, oh, this is fulfilled here. And this is fulfilled here. And this is mm-hmm. like, it'll all, it's all going to fit together. And yet still, I think be eternal. I think there'll still be parts of it that forever have meaning. Well, yeah, I think we'll constantly, he's constantly going to be revealing himself to us for eternity. Yep. Yeah. And so this word that we're reading right now and loving I think that's the coolest part about it is like forever. We'll be able to read the word. We'll be in the word's presence, but we're still going to be captivated by the story and looking and seeing how it all fits together even now and now and now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so cool. Oh my gosh. Isaiah 30 chapter mm-hmm. or verse 15. Mm-hmm. One of the best verses in the entire Bible for the Lord God, the Holy one of Israel has said, you'll be re- delivered by returning and resting. Your strength will lie in quiet confidence. He's talking about how basically they're trying to do all of these things to overcome what's about to happen to them. And he's saying the only way that you're going to be delivered is by returning and resting 
and letting your strength lie in me and your quiet confidence. And, and they're not going to, that's the thing. It makes, it made me think of, I don't, so we're studying Jacob. And while I was looking at this one passage of Esau, I went to the new Testament and I never really understood why Esau. And of course we're talking about this while we're talking about Isaiah, because we're going to see this him talking about Edom, right. which is Esau's nation yep. and Edom basically gets punished because they don't let Israel pass through. And mm-hmm. I had to go back. I had to go back and look at that passage. And sure enough, they were like, they came out with weapons to, to go to war against them and made their life more difficult. So it's crazy to me. That this justice is going to take place all these years later. And God is yeah. like, I haven't forgotten. And now you pay, yeah. which is like, so cool. Just thinking about how God loves us and comes to our defense and his justice. Like we can count on it though. We don't know when, but it's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> it's justice is sweet. But trying to figure out like where Esau went wrong because he did sell his birthright for um, a bowl of soup, which is bad. But in the New Testament, it specifically specifies that it was his lack of repentance, that he never repented for it. He Even at the end, when he asked his dad for a blessing and when he was really sad that he didn't get the blessing, it was because he wanted he wanted good stuff. It wasn't because he was sad that he had, mm-hmm. he had taken it so lightly. He never repented. Anyway, all of that to say, that's what we're still dealing with here with Israel is that he's basically saying, if you would come back to me, if you would just rest in me, I would show mercy. He says in verse, then in verse 18, he says, therefore the Lord is waiting to show you mercy and is rising up to show you compassion for the Lord is a just God and all who wait patiently for him are happy, but they don't. Mm, And then, oh my gosh. So this is the stuff that man, it's so fun to read Genesis to be studying Genesis and then come to these parts, like where it says, um, chapter 36, it says in verse six, look, you are relying on Egypt that splintered reed of a staff that will pierce the hand of anyone who grabs it and leans on it. And we're talking about Isaac in chapter 26 and Abraham had escaped famine to go down and went down into Egypt. And now it's Isaac's turn for famine. And God says, do not go down to Egypt. The part that Egypt plays in all of this, like Egypt always is the place of escape. Even, even Jesus goes down even in Jesus time. Yeah. To Egypt yeah. for escape. And um, it's just interesting to see the theme of like God being like, I don't want you to go down to Egypt. And, and, and in Isaac's case, like that meant enduring, he was like, I want you to live as an alien in the land of the Philistines. And so he does, he has to live as an alien. And then he, and in order to obey, he has to do like, he stays as an alien and then he, God blesses him. And because God blesses him, he gets kicked out of um, Abimelech or Philistine's Mm -hmm. territory, but then he kind of stays on the outskirts of the territory. And so the people keep filling his wells. And I, like, it was just, we were talking about it and I'm sure we'll talk about it as we do our Jacob study, but like he had to be really determined not to go to Egypt because Egypt was the obvious answer mm-hmm. to their walls being stopped yeah. yeah. And he moves three times before he finally finds a place where he's like, God has made a space for us. I just think that's like, I mean, we see him act in fear with Rebecca, the way that Abraham did before mm-hmm. that. So just that getting to see God's people who we hold up as heroes in the faith and they're both they're as fickle as we are just Mm -hmm. we fail in fear and we succeed in faith and none of it matters (laughs) because he will do it 
Right. You know what I mean? Like, I think like none of it matters except that it does matter. I think it's the idea of like, he will do it and he will use, cause he does work. He uses his people, but he uses whether we do it right or we do it, do it wrong. So in that sense, I mean, yeah. right and wrong does matter, but God will, God will accomplish his purposes through his people regardless. And in our failures and in our faith, we come to know God better, which right. is the point. One of the things that I'm learning about when I don't do something right, when I fail in a way that I feel like, man, like this again, like I'm doing this thing again, it's a selfishness or just self-centeredness or all that. It just looks ugly. When I come to God with that in repentance, I come to him thinking that the more shame I feel about it, mm. bonus points. Yeah. It's bonus points. I'm going to change faster. I'll change. Mm -hmm. Like I'll actually make the change faster if I feel more sorry, Mm -hmm. but not sorry, like shame actually, like I feel terrible about it and realizing that like shame actually is, I I think uh, I'm still pondering this, but I think that shame is actually a hindrance to the work of the Holy spirit toward repentance because it's almost like, I think I'm accomplishing my change by having shame. Yes. Whereas if I go to God and I was like, there it is again, there it Mm -hmm. is again. I'm sorry, Lord, I need you to change me. Yeah. That allow that allows, it's a confession of trust that he's the one that does the work Mm -hmm. behind the scenes. And Mm -hmm. all I have to do is confess it and trust that tomorrow I'll be a little less selfish. Like that's kind of a big deal. So in light of all of this, like just thinking about the fact that it's both our success in faith and it's our failures mm-hmm. in fear that teach us who God is, like that should help me to remember when I come to him and I feel shame over something that I've done wrong where I've made it about me again. It's like, no, that's, that's another opportunity for me to know more of who God is. Like there's no failure in that. This is just I get more of God in my failures, just as I get more of God in my faith. Mm-hmm. God's economy doesn't make any sense. Mm-mm. Psalms? Yeah, let's go there. 83. 83. I think one of the reasons I had those other 84 and 85 underlined and 86 too, is just thinking about in conjunction with um, what we read in Deuteronomy this week yeah. about from Moses and, and that reminder that to remember that to reminder, to remember, and that God is big and merciful and forgiving and yes. low to anger and great in love, tender and kind. Um, but then also in 86, it, he says, David says in verse 11, um, train me God to walk straight. Then I'll follow your true path put me together one heart and mind, then undivided all worship and joyful fear. But just that, Mm -hmm. like that God is all of those things. He's loving and kind and slow to anger and quick to mercy or compassion, but it's for those who follow him. Like we've talked about this before when we're. It's for those who he's chosen and called by name. This is what I'm wrestling with. Sorry, I'm interrupting. No, go ahead. I think this is what I'm wrestling with. Is it like Lord of armies, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob. That's in 84. Chapter 85. Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave your people's guilt. You covered all their stuff. Like, and, you know, maybe I'll be really glad after we study the life of Jacob. But for, like, 
for the brief overview that I've done of his life, I'm kind of like, what? there's nothing really special about Jacob. Like he didn't, there, like, that's the thing is that it's not like Jacob didn't follow him perfectly. You know what no. you mean? Well, that's like just what Moses was saying in Deuteronomy this week. Like God didn't pick you because you're anything special. God just picked yeah. you because he, because he did, because he's God and he can do whatever the heck he wants. Like he picked you because he picked you, not because of you. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get into that whole predestination thing. Right. Well, that's when, just when you started to talk, I was like, Ooh, here we go. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I don't have answers to that. Just more questions. Which is fine and good and wonderful. And Psalm 87, Mm -hmm. I think partly because of the way it's translated in the message just made me think of Jesus. He's talking about Zion, but, and I feel like in the old Testament, Zion is Zion's the house of God. Zion is eternity. Sometimes like Zion is a lot of things in the yeah, old Testament. Zion is very confusing to me. Right. Right. Yeah. So but 87 says Zion, he founded Zion on the Holy mountain. Oh, I don't want to read all of it at the end of 87. He's basically calling Zion God's hometown. And <laughs> it says uh, in the end of verse four, words getting around, they point them out. This one was born again here. The words getting out on Zion, men and women, right and left, get born again in her. God registers their names in his book. This one, this one, and this one, born again, right here. And it just Oh, made- my word. That's yeah, such like a fun I- translation. Yes. Isn't that a fun translation? It, like you can feel this, you can feel the excitement of what happens in the heavens uh, people know Christ this one and this one and that like it's like not that far that's what a funny thing like that translation isn't that far from here and yet it paints a whole different starting in verse four I will make a record of those who know me Rahab Babylon Philistia Tyre and Cush these are all the outside these are all the Gentiles Rahab each one was born there each one was born there. Mine says Egypt instead of Rahab. That's interesting. Okay, keep going. Um, and it will be said of Zion, this one and that one were born in her. The Most High himself will establish her when he registers the peoples. The Lord will record, this one was born there. Singers and dancers alike will say, my whole source of joy is in you. Mm-hmm. That psalm might now be my favorite psalm. It sounds like it's pointing towards, like, it's- right which is so interesting because right now in Psalms, we're in the midst of like God's chosen people are Israel. But I mean, and we've also seen that even in Israel, you can get grafted in, you can be an outsider and you can come in and be part of God's people. Well, but the beginning talking, of it says, yeah, the Lord loves Zion city gates more than all the dwellings of Jacob, which is Israel. Mm-hmm. Glorious things are said about you, city of God. Mm-hmm. I'll make a of those who know me, Rahab. It says they were born there. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That was definitely one that I want. I kind of wanted to make a note. It's, I would love to dig into that Psalm and find out what Cora was, wasn't Cora. Um, there is Cora there. The sons of Cora there, they, there were, there's a couple Cora's the bad, there's the bad Cora that gets swallowed up by the earth. But then I think they're also like, they are the worship leader. Something Moses gives like the choir people. Yes, there's a job, but this is different. This is not a contemporary of Moses. I don't think this is later. Okay. But good question. I wonder if it is. 
What is Korah in relation to David? Right. I'm wondering. Yeah. I thought Korah was David's, um, almost like his scribe, almost like a, a scribe or a kind of like a worship, like here, go right. All the Psalms in the Bible, 11 are attributed to the sons of Korah, these beautiful songs. Korah was the grandson of Korath, and he began to run with another group of Reubenite malcontents, namely David. Mm -hmm. That's got to get swallowed up. Mm -hmm. Although this clearly marked the end of Korah, we discover that Korah's sons, perhaps too young to understand their father's uprising, or maybe too cognizant of God's authority to join in the revolt, were spared. God judged those who turned against him and active rebellion and purified his people, but he still had a purpose and plan even for the line of Korah. After seven successive generations, the prophet Samuel arose from the line of Korah. The genealogy of which is recorded in first Chronicles, the Korahites became doorkeepers and custodians for the tabernacle. One group of Korahites joined King David in various military exploits and won the reputation of being expert warriors. However, the most remarkable thing to note about the sons of Korah is that during the time of King David, they became the great leaders in choral and orchestral music in the tabernacle. There it is. So that actually traces it from Moses to David. That's cool. That's cool. That was really great. Over, and there's still more, but that was, that's good. Yeah. Yes. They're definitely talking about Jesus and us. That's so cool. Good catch, Annika. Good catch. Well, you know. <laughs> this, the, the Psalm of Moses is yes, quite beautiful. Eight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love a few of like the, and listen, and this was one of those, and I'm sure you did the same since you noticed it was a Psalm of Moses, but this was one of those, like I tried to imagine it through the mouth of, a, of Moses, of a guy who walked with God and witnessed all the miracles of God and mm -hmm. experienced his frustration with God's people and mm -hmm. but verse four stuck out to me for in your sight a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by like few hours of the night I love that mm -hmm. and verse 12 teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts like that's mm -hmm. Moses who yeah Moses <laughs> yeah. I think the thing that I thought was cool about this psalm is that the middle section is Moses kind of reminding He's talking about discipline and punishment and God's anger with his people. And then at the end, I don't know what verse it is, maybe 16-ish. He says, um, let your servant see what you're best at, the ways you rule and bless your children. And just like how Moses knew, after talking about all of these things, how their people went away from God and he disciplined them for it. Moses still recognized that you're, you're really good at blessing us. Yeah. So let us see it. Uh, that's so good. Surprise us with love at daybreak. Then we'll skip and dance all the day long. Make up for the bad times with some good times. We've seen enough evil to last a lifetime. Let your mm -hmm. servants see what you're best at, the ways you rule and bless your children. And let the loveliness of our Lord, our God, rest on us, confirming the work that we do. Yes. Hmm. That's good. Yep. I think we can end there. That's the recap. Thanks for listening to the recap. 
If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth Bible studies where we model our version of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org and we will see you next week.